welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. So today we're going to dive into the team effectiveness models, and we're going to dive into specifically one of the very first and pretty well-known team effectiveness models called the Tuckman Stages of Group Development. Now, you might think you don't know what that is, but if I bring up forming, storming, norming, that might ring a few bells for you. So that model was actually developed and introduced by Bruce Tuckman in around 1965. Now, Tuckman was actually an educational psychologist and researcher, and he actually developed the model as part of the research that he was doing for the Navy. So Tuckman used this model to describe the expected team development stages as the team matures and enhances its abilities, its relationships, and its leadership. The interesting thing about the model is that it doesn't have to be applied in its entirety. So you can actually just apply parts of the model. And this is really helpful because most teams are actually changing and reforming. Some teams start from the beginning all the way through to the end, but a lot of teams are changing and reforming as they experience new environments, bring in new people. So let's walk through the stages. You will notice that as we discuss the stages, they're not linear because when it comes to people and change in general, very little is linear. So the first stage in this model is the forming stage, which is really the foundational stage. So from a relational point of view, team members at the beginning are usually polite, they're cautious, they're really getting to know each other. There's often a feeling of ambiguity and most people are trying to avoid conflict at all costs. They're trying to figure out what are we here for? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Who are these people that I'm going to be working with? However, there may be some people that test boundaries as certain people try to exert control. Functionally, the team is also getting oriented to the task. They're creating ground rules. They're trying to figure out what they will be doing and how they'll be doing it. So there's still a lot of unknown in terms of functional and process. They really, in this stage, look to the leader for direction. The leader needs to be the person who's giving them direction and helping them figure out what they're going to be doing and how they're going to be doing it. So what you'll see a lot of times in this stage is that people are very polite. They go out of their way to avoid controversy. Uh, You may see some clicks forming, and there is that need for safety and approval, especially if people are coming into the group. They don't know what the expectations are. They don't know what the culture is. And there may be some attempt to try to figure out what the tasks are, what the processes are. People may also be excited. They may be optimistic because this is a new thing. But they may also be worried about what's expected of them and how they're going to perform. What's often helpful in this stage is that the teams develop something like a team mission and a vision. They establish specific objectives and tasks. Again, the leader is really important in this stage because they look to the leader for the guidelines, for the objectives, for the goals. Those instructions are really needed. So in this stage, the leader really needs to make sure that they're communicating actively, communicating with their team members to make sure that everybody understands what the objectives are, what the processes are, and what the guidelines are. Now, the next stage is a storming stage. And as the name indicates, this stage is marred by intergroup and interpersonal conflict, which shows up a lot of the time as a lack of unity and polarization around interpersonal issues. You'll see here sometimes a lot of resistance to the unknown in areas of interpersonal relationships as people are seeking to get some sort of security and identity. 
Group members could become hostile at times towards each other, sometimes towards the group structure. In this stage, members may respond emotionally to tasks, especially when the goals require them to look inward. If the goal requires them to change something about themselves, requires them to adapt in this early stage, you may get some significant resistance there. So emotional responses are pretty common in this stage. Now, if your group is focused on something more intellectual, something more of an intellectual task, you may have less emotionality, but you'll still get that resistance. Functionally here, there's just a lack of efficiency and it's just very difficult to get things done because you're still trying to figure out who are we, what are we here to do, how are we going to do things? So team members are voicing their opinions about each other and their work because they've spent a little bit of time together and leadership may be challenged here, right? They may not agree with the leadership's direction or the leadership style. And so you may definitely get that sense of conflict. And that really comes out sometimes in terms of arguments. There's a lot of arguments, there's a lot of vying for leadership, people trying to take over if there's no identified leader. And even if there is, sometimes there is that that conflict and that questioning of the leadership. You get a, a lack of role clarity. People don't really know what their roles are, may disagree with their roles. And therefore you have a lack of progress. You know, you don't really get that much done because there's just not a lot of consensus that uh, is achieved during this time. Again, from the leader, you really need to make sure that the leader is providing clear guidelines, uh, clear instructions, and also allowing for a path to deal with the conflict. There's got to be a method for the team to work through the conflict. So it may require them to teach some conflict resolution methods, uh, offer support, but also praise as people are getting into their roles and, and identifying their responsibilities. The team also needs time to do this work. So the leader needs to make sure that they're setting aside time specifically for conflict resolution, clarity of the processes and the procedures. Effective listening, active listening is critical here. The leader needs to make sure that they're understanding what their concerns are of each of their members. And really all the members need to engage in active listening. They need to try to make sure that they're doing a better job of understanding their fellow team members. It's important here that in this stage, we're establishing what the roles and responsibilities are, going over the ground rules, reinforcing this to make sure that people have a clear sense of what the rules of the road are, what is acceptable, what is not. And this stage is also very critical for setting the culture. How are we going to operate as a group? Each individual brings their individuality into the group, but how do we operate as a team? How do we function as a team? What is permissible? What is allowed versus what is not? Now, in this stage, the group develops a way of dealing with conflict and becomes more cohesive. There's more acceptance of the common goal and of each other, really. The team begins to work together to accomplish their goals. And functionally, there's clarity in roles and norms are established, and the team begins to find its way and becomes more effective as they work together. So even conflict is dealt with productively and effectively. So the team begins to really uh, make progress towards increasing its efficiency. What you'll see here is that processes and procedures are agreed upon. There is more comfort in terms of relationships. There's more focus on the tasks and uh, the team begins to develop its routine, the way in which they do things. Sometimes you'll see more consensus in terms of decision-making and people begin to feel like they belong there's a sense of belonging and, and confidence and pride in the team. And the confidence is usually very high. Team members are usually accepted. And this general sense of trust that is developing within the team as team members 
can understand each other and have found a way to work well with each other. It's important for the leader during this time to be giving feedback and support, making sure that they're allowing for continued team interaction and collaboration uh, and encouraging the team members to make decisions. It's This is a good stage that leaders can start delegating some of those decisions and allowing team members to take more ownership of their responsibilities. This is also the stage in which data begins to flow between team members instead of just up and down to, to and from the leader. So there is more of a consensus in terms of shared feelings and ideas, giving feedback to each other and exploring actions related to the task. So in this stage, creativity can actually be really high. Collaboration actually begins to emerge within the team when each individual understands their roles and their responsibility. The next stage is the performing stage. And this was actually the last stage of the original model, but has since been replaced by the adjourning stage, which is actually the last stage now. The performing stage is the stage in which all teams try to achieve. In this stage, the team members adjust and adapt to their roles, to their tasks, with each other and they adjust and adapt in a way that fits not just the task, but each other. So members are able to adapt and play different roles that will enhance the, the tasks that and the activities that they've been given. The structure of the team is supportive to the task performance and roles become flexible and functional. This is the group working at its peak performance. So in this team's roles are pretty clear team develops a sense of independence and are able to organize itself. The team is really flexible and members can adapt their, their roles and their responsibilities as the environment changes, as strengths and weaknesses occur. And so the team is actually pretty dynamic in this stage. Team members are usually very understanding of each other. You have some pretty tight bonds that have been established during this time and trust is, is pretty strong within the team. The team can actually also have fun with during the stage. They can find things to be exciting and, and really there's a general sense of satisfaction and enjoyment in the work that they're doing. The team doesn't really need much from their leader in this stage except for the leader to make sure that they're removing any obstacles, uh, providing feedback, helping the team to achieve its goals and its purposes. But at this point, the team is really functioning at its peak performance. Now, the last stage of the model is the adjourning stage. Now, and this stage addresses the breakup or the separation of the team. And this causes significant change within the team structure, team membership. What's interesting here is that sometimes the team is continuing to perform its tasks and activities. And so they don't always give enough time to deal with the grief of the team breaking up, the momentum slowing down, or that restless behavior that some members may be feeling. There's also a sense of uh, sadness for some people, but some people may be glad that the, the team is done, that they're moving on from the team. It's always important during the stage to evaluate how the team has functioned and to recognize and reward the team's efforts. So in reality, teams may not explode or blow up, but teams don't normally stay intact. I think teams will adjust and adapt. And so you may find that your team is not staying in that performing stage because of those changes, either people coming in or people going out. And as you introduce new members, tasks change, roles change. And so it's completely appropriate for you to go back to the storming stage or the, the norming stage or um, any of those previous stages before you can get to the performing stage. I think it's extremely important to recognize that as things change within the team, as things change within your environment, that your team dynamic and your team structure may change. You may not be in the performing stage. 
you may have to go back to storming or norming before you can work your way back up to performing. And so this is completely appropriate to use this model in terms of taking the parts that apply to your specific team at a specific point. So quick summary, we have forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjoining. We all try to aim to get to the performing stage, but realistically, we may go back and forth between storming, norming, and performing as things change, as the team structure changes. All right, as always, I hope this has been helpful and I hope you will join us next time. Thank you.